listener fan thingies, this is Darwin from Darwin's Deviations. And, uh, what was the line again? Oh, no. You ruined it. What kind of a man are you? You can't even make a short clip. Shut up. Darwin, why are we even doing this? Because we're desperate. You're listening to Pods Like Us. Wow, what is their show even like? I don't know. Does anybody even listen to them? We all just want to mooch off the free marketing, but... I hope I don't regret associating with them. No worries, Darwin. They'll be the ones regretting it. Pods like us won't let me cuss, but if you want profanity, check out my depravity. Um, Darwin, that sucks. Shut up. We are recording now. We're just... Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just like my own show. Like I put you on the spot abruptly without any introduction <laughs> or start. That'll catch people off guard, won't it? They'll be thinking, oh, he's, he's not done his usual introduction. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the gist of my whole show to make, make the audience feel uncomfortable? Absolutely. So why not do it this way? <laughs> so if you are interviewing me like I am, uh, I am intruding on your own show and making it in my style that was the original idea yeah uh, yeah really was to do that was to make it sort of almost like every episode was catered towards what their show is like so in yep. your in your case we want to all just you know just do do what you normally do and you know um, so uh, yeah T- talk about yeah. weird weird creatures and strange mythical legendary things mm. Yeah, so we've suddenly stopped talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, th- I'm waiting for a question, dude. <laughs> I thought we were doing, I thought we were doing the discussion sort of thing. <laughs> well, I change my mind all the time. You, you can see that on my episodes. Like I can, <laughs> I go into tangents a lot. I, I change my voice a lot. I change the tone of the show a lot. <laughs> I put um music that has nothing to do with what i'm talking about it's all about the experience well like you were saying you know um when we've talked talked before it's it's about the entertainment as well as the information really and sometimes sometimes you know you you go somewhere and it makes it more interesting Rather yeah. than somebody just blabbing on about information and going, well, they first discovered on this date in this year, and they supposedly looked like this, and mm-hmm. uh, they weighed they weighed seven hundred and twenty five pounds. They had fur <laughs> on them, and they had this. They had funny bulging eyes. Oh, um, I'm very oh, very yeah. familiar with that because uh, I am like I have a science background. I studied biology. I have a bachelor's degree in biology, and I was a science teacher of biology but like if you are a teacher you act as a gateway yep. between science and and the layman public in my case teenagers in high school and teenagers in high school don't care about biology so you need to be a performance artist and you need to entertain your audience and the students are your audience you know yeah it's like um I, I know someone who's a great friend of mine or family that are great friends of mine. And one of the uh, the daughters 
we were chatting because she's a music teacher and I was saying how I think music in school should be changed how they teach it and make it more applicable to the music that the kids are listening to nowadays. So all you're doing is you just, I think you just reshape what you teach to yes. make it more interesting to the children as opposed to the static, um, you have to teach them this, you have to do it this way. And I think it makes it more interesting for kids and they'll learn more that way. Yeah, you know, like when you listen to any of my episodes, I have all the boring, uh, dry scientific stuff in there. Like I don't cut that out. But it's all about the packaging of the information. Now, obviously, while I was working as a teacher, I was not uh, swearing, um, but like I would over-exaggerate certain things to to draw in the interest of the student, you know? Yeah, like you said, you know, it make, makes them learn better as well that way. Now, I always have th- this analogy like, Sometimes you need to over-exaggerate or blatantly lie about something. Now, you're not going to lie about the curriculum because the curriculum is a monolith and you can't change it. You need to teach them the curriculum, but you can package it however you want. So I'd say like some interesting factoid or tidbit um, that is not part of the curriculum. Um, Like, did you know about this and this organism that I can do this and that? And they'd be interested by that. You know, they would go home, remember my class, go on the internet, try to search for that, find that it's pretty dry, (laughs) the information. They'll find scientific information. They'll come to me and say, like, this is not how you described it. And I would be like, told you so, made you look. (laughs) Because, you know, the the best thing... uh, being a teacher, the best thing is tricking your student into learning something for themselves. You are not there uh, to uh, teach uh, to learn them something. They need to learn something. The whole ju- the whole point of learning is for you to create a change within yourself. For you to do something yourself, you know. I can blabber on and on and on about cl- curriculum. But yeah. if the student is not engaged, if I if the student is not open to a change within themselves and not doing something for themselves, then they are not learning. No, a, g- a good analogy for that would be like a uh, sat- satellite navigation in the car, where if you keep using that in the car, you won't learn the journey as well as if you do it with a map because then you basically work out your route before you go, but you have to remember that route to get to the place so you remember better because you've learned that as opposed to being told by a machine how to do it. Yeah. And, you know, the the problem, like, when you talk now about GPS, like, we live in an age where we, we are living a very rapid lifestyle. You need to wake up and get to work and just work and work your butt off so you can get your paycheck, so you can feed your family and live this miserable existence. And you need this technology and stuff to aid you in in fulfilling that type of lifestyle. But nobody ever just stops for a moment to wonder about the cosmos, the vastness of the universe, how, how everything is interconnected and how it functions. That's what I was trying to um, portray on my show, though, on a very, you know, in a very absurdist, uh, comedic, satirical manner. 
you know, like I was saying as well in discussions we've had before, you know, uh, I was saying to um, Rachel, for, who makes the videos, Lawn Cat, mm-hmm. I said, it works that way. I think satire and humour works better to get a point across because I think you learn better because you'll remember like the, the joke or something that goes with it and it will make you remember the fact that's in there. Yes. The fact. Yeah, and something that I do very, very frequently on my show, I'm very mean and sarcastic. But like, <laughs> if you want something to stick with people, you need to poke them where it hurts. And some, somehow you are, you are using humor and this meanness and this satire as a Trojan horse to introduce this knowledge into someone's head. Definitely, definitely. So when you started your podcast, you were saying to me that you you started it and you're basing it on this way that you were teaching, essentially, but exaggerated with satire in there. Yeah. And you start and you 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 started it because you said that you couldn't you you wanted shows that discuss these weird creatures and strange uh, myths but there were no shows out there that that had this sense of humor behind it because they're all too static and too yeah, um yeah. Uh, almost like professors talking in a lecture yeah so i mean like there are a lot of animal podcasts and they are great uh, for what they do but the problem is nobody really makes science entertainment they make science people who talk about science are scientists are uh, academics, and uh, they portray all this very uh, professionally, very seriously, and they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to over-exaggerate anything. I mean, it's science. It's facts. It's not about feelings. But what I did is totally subvert that. Like, I know the science. I read these scientific journals. I understand every word of them. I I was a biology teacher, but the thing is, I want to make something that is science entertainment that would resonate with people who are into the science, but they can't hear that anywhere else. Um, yep. The thing is, like, I use this analogy. So my first episode was about a gecko that basically crawls out of its own skin to evade a predator and then grows its skin back. And when you're reading the science journal that discovered the species, you know, the paper, it says how we should focus on this species so we may eventually discover uh, its skin regeneration mechanism so we can create products for human skin care. And I'm like, is the only point of science just anthropocentrism, you know, uh, doing uh, discovering these creatures for the sake of profit and for furthering the human cause because I don't see these creatures uh, as anything to do with humans. They are things that exist on this planet, have evolved through millions and millions of years, and he have even existed before us. Um, un- unless you're a creationist, <laughs> I'm not going into that. Um, no. But it is so dumb to look at these things from the lens of, uh, you know, an economic benefit 
to human society because I see us as a speck of dust in the universe and the universe does not care about us and it is a giant monolith monolith that can crush us at any moment, you know? Absolutely. And there's the fact that you you don't shy away from saying things like, you know, oh, oh God, this animal is so ugly. It's got weird horns and it's got like (laughs) eyes that pop out and things like that. So you make it more... um, visceral it's something that people can imagine in their heads when you're speaking about it they can almost picture it you you describe it in a way that is so easy for people to understand with that humor and the fact that you're just pointing out the fact that they do look odd yeah and like at the end of the day uh if i treat it seriously or if i treat it very sarcastically and uh very humorously uh, it does not make a difference because that animal existed before us. That animal will keep existing after we all die out. Um, our perception of nature does not influence what nature is and nature will remain the same with or without our knowledge of it and our perception of it. Yeah. But then you also go into creatures that um, are, should we say, very questionable dubious. As to, <laughs> dubious as to whether they exist you know like the the famous is it the uh oh the the is it vampire watermelon is that the yeah. one yeah that's a myth actually from my country yeah. which um I, I thought that episode of your show um darwin darwin's deviations that that was hilarious and i know we were talking about that was mainly made by somebody else but um uh, it's still hilariously funny yeah yeah so I was always interested, you know, in cryptozoology and the paranormal and aliens and stuff like that. Um, This may be controversial and people will hate me for this, but I don't really believe in that stuff. But I love it. I love it. I would dedicate my whole life to studying it. I see all that as a psychosocial phenomenon. I see monsters and aliens as Jungian uh, psychosocial archetypes, you know, these these shapes of beings that just exist in a social unconsciousness and are part of the human experience. You know, just like how people say different cultures built pyramids all around the world, but never communicated with each other. It's because the pyramid is, uh, is a Jungian uh, archetype in the social unconsciousness. The shape of the pyramid is something that is basically ingrained into all our minds and, you can have people from different parts of the world, they will all come up with the shape of a pyramid. Uh, in the same way, all people will come up with the shape of a, say, ape man, Bigfoot thing. And that's why there are ape men all over the world in every different culture. Yeah, it's like um, changing the subject slightly, but for another analogy, is the fact that to me, as a musician, I find it interesting that musical instruments all over the world have developed that are so similar to each other yes but those countries had nothing to do with each other and no no connection to each other when they were creating these instruments so you'd find like uh, a chinese style instrument that that is a bit like a violin or you'd find different variations of like guitars all over the world as well that were developed or instruments that were similar so you'd, and harps as well that's a popular one where so it's interesting where all these things are developed in these different countries and away from 
Isn't yeah. that enough evidence to say that all people are interconnected in some kind of cosmical abstract way that we cannot perceive and we cannot measure and test via science? It is a part of some kind of collective consciousness human experience. Absolutely. I mean, going going back to the uh, strange creatures, that would explain how you have the, uh, I mean, the Yeti is very similar to the Bigfoot, for instance, the Sasquatch. Yeah. The, so you have similar an- animals or creatures like that being uh, mentioned all over the world in different different areas, but they were mentioned when none of these countries had anything to do with each other. There's a history there. But like you said, I mean, there's a connectivity there, even though people weren't connected. It's just innate in human beings to have this there. Yeah. And like, look at it this way. So all of these different cultures have, let's say, a Bigfoot, a Yeti or something like that. But then, you know, uh, we uh, create means throughout history of communicating with each other. So now Westerners uh, can tap into this mythology of, say, Tibet, of, of Eastern mysticism, and then they can uh, bring this back to the West and repurpose this. People would say it is cultural appropriation, but repurpose the Yeti from something that is uh, traditionally maybe a spiritual being to something that is like a cryptid, a physical animal like Bigfoot, and it becomes a whole thing and spreads throughout the social unconsciousness of the West and spreads throughout media and pop culture. So you now create new icons based on original icons that were lost in translation. It is, it is, I know that you like Marvel comics. Yep. And I know that you like superheroes, but aren't superheroes basically modern versions of heroes from Greek mythology? Yeah, but even even then, when you go into Greek mythology, you know that's that's very similar to Roman uh, mythology and then Viking mythology, where you've got all these different gods who, yes. for all intents and purposes, they all do the same thing, but they've developed, you know, differently in each of those those regions of the world at the same time without any connection to each other. So you've got that again, and even Eastern mysticism, you have like different. Uh, spiritual beings assigned to different roles as well, which is very much the same thing. Hinduism Hinduism is all about that. Like they have deities for everything. Yeah, you've got Shiva and um, all those other... uh, I'm trying to think of all the others as well. I mean, in in Japan, they are mainly... Historically, they're mainly Shinto in Japan. They have yokai. They believe in spirits. I don't know if they believe technically in gods, but... Shintoism is more about spirits and ghosts, but spirits and ghosts in Japan are totally different than what we perceive as ghosts in the West. Uh, spooky haunted houses, you know, they're more like nature spirits, elementals, more more like fairies, and they are all trickster entities. Yeah, and the the Japanese belief as well, their 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 spiritual entities, their ghosts, so to speak, are yeah. there as to to guide as opposed to you know the way that we see them over here yeah, as being all ma- spooky things demonic. that are there to scare us. Yeah. yeah, so you've got the the, the the difference there, where like I said, you know, they're, they're there as guidance, as guides, basically spiritual guides in Japan and the Eastern mysticism. Love ELO? Of course you do. What kind of dim-witted jughead doesn't? Then listen to Face the Music. 
an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Every week, I, Eric Paul Johnson, and my co-host, Eric Winsensen, take a song by the Electric Light Orchestra, give the song facts, the history, discuss, tear apart, dig deep into the song itself, give our opinions, chart facts about the singles, and we even consult with the future of humanity on their opinion of the Electric Light Orchestra. So if you don't want to be a dim-witted jughead, then listen to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Episodes post every Saturday at midnight Eastern Time and can be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Mixcloud, TuneIn, and iHeart. That was stupid as a butthead. So just to say, like, for the listeners, we started out talking about biology like hard science and um animals and stuff <laughs> and now we're talking about ghosts and spirits so the the listeners won't even understand what's going on <laughs> and who i am and i mean that's the gist of my show i portray various different characters and i don't even know who who the heck i am yep i'm speaking to darwin who made the show uh, darwin's deviations and is making the ongoing show Tracing Owls. Yeah, so obviously if I have two shows, I don't know who I am and I don't know what I want to do with myself. Yeah, well, yeah. But Darwin's Deviations, I mean, and, and Tracing Owls are very different shows um, t- to a degree. You know, I mean, Darwin's Deviations, it's, it's weird because it started... Uh, a certain way and then it, it developed over time where you added like characters and and you would go out of the show and st- weird things would happen like you'd be discussing things and suddenly a character would would um, say die perhaps and then come back to life and yeah yeah it, it, yeah we, we i mean did, yeah. this is funny like when you go through my episodes you will see like episode 17 18 19 20 21 and then episode 17, and that's because at the end of 21, we did time travel back to the end of episode 16, and then I just continued <laughs> with the numbering. That's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Tracing Owls is, for the most part, <laughs> I say this, but you know, you, you, go, you go off on, on into strange places with that as well occasionally, but for the most part, it's just... Uh, it's, it's, well, I don't know whether to say it's more formal, really, because it's still not. It is more me and less Darwin. Yes. It is less character-based, and it does not have a plot, and mostly it's not scripted now. I mean, the first few episodes were scripted, but, like, the episodes I'm doing with guests now, completely unscripted. Uh, All that biology stuff you heard, like, in my last episode, that's all from my head. That's my biological education. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, the most recent one that I've heard is uh, one where you you spoke to uh, Christina, the uh, who's who is known as the uh, well, she's the fabulous um, uh, illustrator and artist, and uh, known as the the Crescent Hair. But that they they're they're fascinating because it's it is basically almost like the, as the listener, we're mm-hmm. just we just happen to be. It's it's almost like we're we're listening in or peeking into into yes. you and you and Christina just having a chat. Yes. there's no actual. It, yeah, it's it's it is almost like we're yeah we're you know we're yeah listening in on your conversation. 
yeah, that that's what I'm I'm going for. Like to be honest, like when I made my first episode of Darwin's Deviations, you can listen to it. I even had to make an intro uh, later on where I tell people just skip this episode. It is so cringy to me. People like it, I don't. I try to do a normal podcast where I have a format where I, you know, talk about scientific stuff, uh, less comedy, though it is kind of silly still. But then I made that episode, listen to it. I did not like it. I did yeah. not enjoy it. And I thought it was hard work, you know, because I was make, making that for somebody else and not for myself. So when I did episode two, I was talking about the Wolverine frog. I thought it would be very silly if I could insert over a hundred names of X-Men characters inside the script of my whole episode. So I'm talking about scientific stuff and I say stuff like uh, it's, uh, its origin is uh, bound in mystique or it was discovered by this professor and then I can't pronounce his name and I say, ah, Professor X and stuff like that. So to a comic fan, that is very, very annoying. To somebody who's <laughs> not a comic fan, they will not even know what I'm talking about. And I... I chatted with a few people who uh, are X-Men fans who said like they cannot even um, they cannot even focus on what I'm talking about because of all the names popping out. And that made me so happy. Like I want to make people uncomfortable and I want to annoy the heck out of my listeners. But at the same time, you make you made the show for yourself so i'm guessing that while you were while you were recording the show or when you were putting it together you, you must have been just sat there and thinking oh i could just put that in and that would be so funny yeah yeah so that's how i do my show like when i script when i scripted my show uh things would pop up into my head and i would just add that add that to the scripts people stuff that people would normally uh, leave out of the episode, cut out of the episode if they're doing a conversation with somebody. Um, just random thoughts inside your head. So eventually, my buddy Autopsy Podcast told me, like, dude, your show is insane and what you do is gonzo. And I'm like, I never put it that way, but yes, I do gonzo content. And you probably yeah. know what gonzo is, it was popularized by Hunter S. Thompson. It is a form of journalism where the journalist is the protagonist of his story and there is no objectivity. It is completely subjective. It is surreal. It is absurd. He, they use profanity. They over-exaggerate details. Um, instead of what normal journalists do, they try to do impersonal stuff and just stick to objective facts. And I'm like, yeah, that is totally what I'm doing. Later on, people told me like uh, what I do is punk rock. And yeah, that resonates with me as well. <laughs> yeah, it's def definitely different. And then um, you, 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 recording it as well. I mean, you know, the, the Darwin's Deviations, where you were using the different voices, you were using apps on a phone to, to record yourself, basically, and then yeah. create these voices using that. So when I was doing editing, like now when you do editing of this uh, episode we're doing, you're going to have two tracks. Well, I had multiple tracks because I had a, a track for every character that I did. 
And I had tracks for all the sound effects and music and whatnot that I'd insert uh, into the show because it's more like a theater of mind type of show. It is like a cartoon. It's not a podcast. It's an audio cartoon. Yeah, it's like it's like an audio version of an old Anna Barbera classic show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I even like totally parodied parodied that when I did my jackalope episode because you know the jackalope is a bunny with horns. So I made a lot of references to Bugs Bunny cartoons, <laughs> Looney Tunes. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Hey, this is Greg at Bad Counsel. You want some good counsel? Keep listening to Pods Like Us with Marv and Down with Monarchy. <laughs> so, do you know we're going into the question and answer bit now, aren't we? So, so how do you research? How do you research for the shows? But then again, you know, I'm guessing you just read the books because, I mean, I've looked at your uh instagram before and you you have an incredible collection of books Mm -hmm. yep so when i want to do uh let's say an episode about a certain subject i'd first search the internet then i'd search books um mostly google books uh because you can search like the name of a species and it shows you every book where it's mentioned and then i seek out those books if i have like scribd which is an online library, or I buy books on Kindle. Um, I, I also search Google Scholar for uh, real academic articles because I like do hard science. The thing is, when I research a topic, I, I spend a lot of time researching hard science. But as I see myself as a gateway of science between science and the public, I compress all that into something more consumable to the audience and I make fun of it and I do it very satirically. Um, It is gonzo. Like all this technical science and facts I consume and then I digest that with all the demons within my head (laughs) and then I just puke it out at the audience. It is... Uh, if you look at, you know, the molecules and elements of it, it is the same as the science that I consumed, but it is totally broken down into a pool of sludge <laughs> that was lost in translation. That's, that's true, Gonzo. Like audio vomiting. Yeah, yeah. I even, like, say on a few occasions in my episodes, I am basically pouring crap into your ear holes as the audience. If you don't enjoy how I am portraying this poor animal, then get off your ass and do something about it. Make your own damn show. Because I, like, I'm from Bosnia and Herzegovina. I am not an English speaker. And I don't have the equipment. I don't know how you'll edit my audio now, but my audio sucks. I do heavy, heavy editing in uh, Audacity. Uh, the whole Darwin's Deviations show I recorded on an on an Android smartphone. Yeah, just did heavy, heavy editing in Audacity to make it, you know, into this cartoon drama vomit thing. <laughs> so, like, if I can do this as somebody who does not have experience editing, who is very awkward. A very obnoxious personality who does not even speak English as a primary language, 
then certainly you can make a podcast with nothing. And even I use Anchor as a host because it's free. Why not? Yes. So we're going question and answer again. So actually, no, no, I'm going to go back to that episode with, uh, with Christina. I love mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, because what you've just said reminded me of it where um, you lost connection and you just, uh, you just created this, this pretend <laughs> thing where Christina had been killed by the, by the creature that you were discussing. Yes. So uh, for the listeners, for context, so uh, after about maybe uh, 30, 40 minutes of recording, Christina's dog started to wail and it sounded so, so funny. And she just got up and yelled at it like, hey, man. <laughs> and then we stopped <laughs> recording. And when I was editing, I was like, how do I piece all this together? I mean, it's after I did my whole Darwin's Deviations show, so I'm already trained how to deal with these situations. So I made like some kind of eulogy poem where I say that she was killed by a Rougarou. That's a Louisiana version of a werewolf. It's a French werewolf in Louisiana. So I made a joke that she was killed by a werewolf clenching her broom because she's a witch. Um, and then like, oh, she's alive. Well, we're getting on with back to the show then. <laughs> so I, I love doing that stuff. It's brilliant because, uh, I, I mean, that's the, that's the good thing about the, the history that you have with doing Darwin's Deviations first is because you have that bit where, like you said, you know how to get out of these situations. So even in Tracing Owls, which is like we said a bit bit more formal than than Darwin's deviations in bits where you have problems yeah. you you automatically have that inbuilt creativity that knows or can work out exactly what to do to create something to fit into that gap that works perfectly yeah the only like reason i can get away with stuff like that is because i don't treat my show seriously and you have a yep. lot of podcasters treating their show seriously. I mean, of course, if you cover true crime, you're not going to joke about murders and rapes. No, no. Though I made a Darwin's Deviations episode about otters raping seals, but like it's animals and there are scientific papers on this. So surely we can talk about it and have fun with it. So you know what I did for that episode? I made it that we are being attacked by giant otters, which are prehistoric because we yep. traveled back 11 million years in the past accidentally and are being chased by giant prehistoric otters, which are now dead. So by the end of the episode, I go into this whole story of them being aliens and stuff. And then I'm like, it's also uh, an endangered species and whatnot. And then we kill it by burning it alive. And I'm like, yeah, we burned it figuratively and literally, and it is perfectly okay because this thing is already dead, and also it's an alien. And if you look at any Hollywood film, it is totally okay to to murder aliens cold-bloodedly. Yeah, but also, I mean, another another great thing that you've that you've got in your back pocket, shall we say, uh-huh. is the fact that you know. For tracing owls, you can still go into those incredible, the incredible use of music um, and sounds and and those sort of things as well that that you've got there. So, if there are little moments, you'll you'll naturally use like bits of music or bits of sound 
in the episode like you used to with Darwin's deviations. You, you yeah. still use those to a degree in Tracing Owls. So, I mean, yeah, it's, how, it's, did that, it's how did that come about? It's to influence the mood of the uh, listener. You know, you know, yep. you like comic books. Do you know, like, if you listen to certain types of music, the experience of reading the comic book can be vastly different. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I yeah, yeah. I if like to doing... read when I read. I, I read with music sometimes, and it changes the way that I read a book. Yes. Yes. So if you're doing content that is about the experience, it's about the journey, then you need to use music to influence the mood of the listener. Now, as you asked me about music, so the uh, opening and ending music I use on both of my podcasts is from the same, uh, same artist. So his name is Francisco Sanchez Gomez. Uh, he is from Spain. And he makes this kind of synth music, uh, very retro, very 80s, 90s feel. It is all instrumental. Um, now, he put the, the, that opening music I used for Darwin's Deviations, he put that up uh, for free on Pixabay. If you are trying to make a podcast, like Pixabay is a great source of free music because you don't need to attribute the artist. And if you make... Uh, episode art like I do, there is a load of images there that are not licensed at all. So you can use them and do whatever you want with them. So after I made the uh, show and I was like very, very happy and excited and I love the music because it reminds me of the X-Files theme from the 90s and the X-Files yes. is my favorite show. I reached out to Francisco and like dude, thank you, because this, this music resonates with me so much. He was so happy because people don't reach out to him usually, you know. And he, we got into a conversation. He said, like, how he loves creating music that is free and available to everybody publicly without a paywall. That's why he put it on Pixabay. Um, we also got into a conversation like he is a huge X-Files fan and you can hear that through his music. So yeah, very, very good guy. If you want to follow his work, I always attribute and link him in my episode descriptions. Yeah, that was funny the other day because me and you were talking the other day and we were, we were speaking about uh, the X-Files and you asked me about episodes, you know, if I knew about the X-Files and then I explained about an episode that I like. And, um, and I said, uh, I, I like the one where there's that chap who, that guy who, you know, squeezes through, through, yeah. um, through bits. <laughs> and then you said to me, you said, well, that episode is actually called squeeze squeeze. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, I thought I'll, I'll admit to that on, on, uh, on, rec on record now that I actually said, said that and that conversation <laughs> happened darwin i really like that episode where the guy squeezes yeah the episode is called squeeze <laughs> <laughs> yes that's how the conversation went <laughs> yeah uh like x-files is my favorite show it is a huge inspiration for my show people who now go listen to my show maybe won't get it how that inspires me but um every episode of the x-files is completely different like it has every episode has its own personality that's what i yep. did with my show um and you do have like reoccurring characters and an overarching plot and stuff like that but 
let's face it, nobody likes the alien episodes. Everybody likes the monster of the week standalone episodes. And it always starts like this weird thing is starting to occur in a town and Mulder and Scully go to investigate and stuff goes down and they kill the monster and go away. And by the end of the episode, the monster opens its eyes. Are you going to see it again? No, you aren't. It's, it's like a glimpse into an event that just occurs and fades away. And there is no real uh, conclusion to anything that that's, that resonates with me a lot. And I use that theme in my show because I abruptly start the show. I abruptly end it. I sometimes do not um, resolve some plots and ideas and I don't care. It's about the experience. This is Dave of Live Life Loud, the Decibolic Podcast, and you're listening to Pods Like Us with Marv. You know, we're going on a tangent here with this one, but that that reminds me of, I think, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, personally, and I think, you know, going to the television side, uh, a problem that they have, I think, with Star Trek nowadays is that as much as I loved um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which is probably my second favorite Star Trek series, funnily enough. Yeah, and it's the most uh, serialized. Like, it, it's the most, you know, connected with its episodes. It's not standalone. Yeah, it's it had an arc. But yeah. um, I think a lot of the other Star Trek series recently have made the mistake in a sense of trying to fall back too much on having a continual story. Whereas even with Deep Space Nine, you used to have the odd episode in between these very serious story arcs. You'd mm-hmm. have a, an odd episode like, you know, the Magnificent Ferengi where the Ferengi go and, you know, they go and uh, they just go off on a, on like a strange, whatever it's. But I think a lot of television series nowadays seem to be, Go. It seemed to have gone away from that. You know what X what the X Files had. Yeah. With yeah. the anthology sort of thing, where you'd have an episode, and like you said, it's it's almost like the old nineteen sixties uh, saying they used to call it the monster of the week episodes. Yeah. So it'd Twilight be a different. Ep- yeah, and Twilight Zone, where it's it's television where you could just switch it on and you could lose yourself in it without having to know what's happened previously. Yeah, and the, the thing with the X-Files, like, it is not a full anthology because you have overarching plots and you have yep. continuous characters. You have Mulder and Scully and, you know, Sigrid, Smoking Man and Skinner and whatever. But the thing yep. is, Mulder and Scully are not some rigid characters that uh, um, that abide by a certain, you know, set of rules. Like, in one episode, they will deal with very, very serious, harsh stuff. In the other episode, it will be a comedy episode where they are more lighthearted. So I like seeing the same characters uh, react to very different, weird, absurd situations around them. Yeah, it's a bit like earlier seasons of um, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I preferred the yeah. earlier seasons, which yes. were the same sort of thing, where you had a different story each week, and you had the you did have the arc in where you had the same characters and things were happening in their lives. But then, in the like I said, in the earlier seasons, you could just switch on the television, watch the program without knowing what's happened before or even afterwards, and you could just lose yourself in it. Whereas later seasons, 
you'd have it'd all be about that arc that's lasting throughout the whole season. Yeah, yeah. And like when you look at any random X Files episode, especially the comedic episodes, and you think about the whole show and the ramifications of this episode on the rest of the show, it's like it does not matter. Scully and Mulder had fun trying to kill vampires in this small town, even though maybe they were not vampires and it was mass hysteria. And it's very funny. Um, and Scully fell in love briefly with the sheriff and whatnot. That's bad blood from season five. That's my favorite episode. But like the next episode is something very serious or very alien related. And it does not matter. P- uh, people in this show are allowed to have zany adventures and fun and be entangled in these weird events that just come and go. Absolutely. So, um, this is going to be a really bad pivot here, but so um, do, do you share that? Do, do, I, I think uh, when we've when I've listened to shows before, hasn't Christina the Crescent here? Hasn't she mentioned that she's a fan as well? Yes, yes, she is a fan. She was actually like in the nineties and early two thousands uh, doing UFO research herself, so she was in the zeitgeist. But yeah, now she is an artist, and mostly she does cryptid art of these magical weird animals she does a witchy occult art and her art resonates with me because most people like to draw monsters in a very monstrous serious way you know but i see these monsters as absurdities i see the paranormal as a cosmic trickster screwing with our minds and the only reaction the only adequate reaction you can provide to the paranormal is just laughing at its face and not treating it so seriously. And she does very whimsical and very cute uh, iterations of these monsters, which resonate with me and I think would resonate with a lot of people in the community who are sick and tired of these these monstrous monsters, you know. Yep, yeah, I, 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 you know, the she she did the artwork for. Um, did she do the artwork for Darwin's Deviations as well as Tracing Owls? No, no. She only did Tracing Owls. Uh, for the listeners, go <laughs> go subscribe to Christina. Follow her at Instagram at the Crescent here. Yep. Crescent the moon here like the rabbit. So I did my, my own logo for Darwin's Deviations myself. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are subliminal me- messages inside the logo when you zoom in. Yes, when you were doing the show originally, and we were talking, I think I've mentioned that in discussion where with mm. you, where I've I've uh, I've mentioned these things, and really, I should have taken note of all these things that I've noticed <laughs> that we could talk about them. Yeah, I mean, but, I insert a lot of Easter eggs into Darwin's deviations, and you can like listen to the whole podcast multiple times, just as I watch the X Files multiple times, and always feel satisfied. There's always something to to find there. Um, in my logo, I have subliminal messages. The logo is like, it speaks to me. It, it tells a story of uh, these atmospheric jellyfish coming in and their intrusion on our reality because atmospheric jellyfish are a thing in my podcast. Uh, my character Squishy is sort of the, let's say the manager, uh, the sponsor of the podcast, and he is, he is the leader of this jellyfish cult. 
You, you, you know how much I love that character of Squishy. He's <laughs> brilliant. I love that. Like he's the most most serious character in my show and he always wants to control what I do but his voice is just so childish and silly yeah but it's like you said he's childish and silly maybe but also incredibly funny you know the the things that it comes out with and then the way that you respond I mean it's it is funny but that you're giving that you're responding to this character that you've created and it's 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 great. I'm just looking at the picture now of, of your your logo. Mm. That's brilliant. Yeah. So for the logo of Tracing Owls, that was done by Christina. Like I told her, I want to do a new podcast. Can you do a logo for me? And like she did the original logo in five minutes. It's the one in my introduction episode with uh, red backgrounds and shadows. And then I told her to add more green, stuff like that. And then I added filters where I made it look like those old uh, newspaper print comic books or pulp magazines. Now, the gist of that logo is, as I said, I don't believe in monsters. I think they are uh, filtered psychological images of us perceiving nature and yep. two very prominent cryptids in, uh, that are very popular in the community are Mothman and the Flatwoods Monster. And both of them were probably owls, you know. So the joke of the logo is that a barn owl is spreading its wings and casting two shadows behind itself. And the shadows are actually these monsters, which are over-exaggerated silhouettes of what the biological being is, that being the owl. I mean that, that that goes along with uh, you know historically where people have discovered real life animals and they all all these people have had like different descriptions of what the animals are like. Yes, yes, and that's that's the whole point of what I'm doing with tracing owls. It is tracing an owl. It is uh, tracing out an outline, a silhouette of nature itself. Nature is objective material reality, but how we perceive nature can be totally different. I mean, look at Darwin's deviations. I, I read about science and then I puke out something that is very, very different than the subject matter that I consumed. Um, yeah. So we are consuming nature and we are using our minds to over-exaggerate it uh, into pro- monstrous proportions and create these myths and legends. Uh, it is like, if you, if you go into the topic, if you think about this, every culture on earth has its own version of what they perceive to be reality and nature. And like I did an episode with Jordan where he interviewed me, he mentioned the mountain gorilla, which was, you know, at some point uh, legitimized by science, like discovered by scientists and cataloged. But before that, you have a history of centuries of these different African cultures coming in contact with the mountain gorilla and forming different myths about it. We don't know these myths now because everything people, all people care about is science and hard facts now. And once a scientist grabs hold of this animal, he erases all the lore, all the history, all the mythology associated with it. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam the Provocateur. And we're from the Spy Hards Podcast.
That's right, and you are listening to Pods Like Us, the podcast that also has the Midas touch. It's a shame, really, because I think there's a beauty to to myth that I think is awful to lose that, and I think people that you know historians should, you know, somehow or another save these myths and protect them in essence because I like 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 I said I, th- I think there's a beauty to these beliefs that people had and there's a fascination in my mind to those beliefs as well yes and like my main interest in biology is ecology and biodiversity and evolution biodiversity is like how many different kinds of organisms there are and all the weird shapes and sizes they come in and let's say you have 3 million species on this planet Ecology is the study of the relationships between all these species. So just imagine how many threads there are connecting every species on this planet. These threads are their uh, interactions, their relationships. And just imagine how many threads we as a society, as humans, collectively have towards each species that we encounter. And different cultures encountering the same species and uh, creating these different threads of a different perception of of the objective reality they have. Isn't that like in some way uh, psychosocial ecology? Absolutely. You you know, we're we're veering into the the area of sounding like an episode of The Naked Scientist now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because I was about to say, another fascinating thing is the fact that no matter what, we're still discovering creatures now that we couldn't before. So, you, you know, people, the further that they, they're able to travel underwater, for instance, they discover new weird looking creatures down there. Cause obviously, you know, there's a lot of creatures so far down underwater that they don't need to be able to see because it's pitch black. So they look odd to the human eye. And do you know why we haven't discovered them until now? Because of money. Because we don't know how to exploit the vast ocean depth of darkness. So we just don't go down there looking for anything. Because you need to find um, investors who will fund your research expedition. And then when you discover new species, you actually need to create some reason for them why they are spending their money on this research. So you need to say, oh, this species has bioluminescence and we can use that a molecule they use to create light to create some kind of contrasts for um, uh, doing CT scans of human brains or whatnot. You know, I'm going to mention another television series here from the top of my head, but that reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show Sequest DSV. No, no. From back in the day. But that one, it, it it used to be about, so there was submarine and, uh, the the actor Roy Scheider from from Jaws was was the main lead in it, and there was an episode in that. So they're in a submarine that uh, that travels, you know, underwater, and it's sort of like almost like protecting the waters, and it's got a bit, it's got a military, and it's got a scientific bit on there. It's a bit like Star Trek underwater, in a sense. Uh, but one of the episodes, they came across. Um, uh, one of the people who were in the military had been out in one of the little mini subs that came out. He came back with these little rocks that he thought were like, you know, because they were they were luminescent. 
And uh, and he thought, oh, well, you know, I could sell these, you know, because they're obviously like a jewel or something precious and whatever. And then l- later on, he, he started to smell this really weird smell, and it ended up being that it was actually this bioluminescent creature's uh, poop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great uh, analogy. Like, you want to sell something that is essentially crap from Mother Nature. How fitting. <laughs> Absolutely, and I, I don't know why, but you just you just reminded me of that bit from the episode that I thought was because I, th- I think they said something like um, just because something is there, you know, that's where it should stay. Essentially, you you shouldn't take things away from the in in a, in a sense. The scientific people were saying you can study it, but that's where it sort of belongs. Essentially, is where it is. We're just there to find out what's there. We're not there to take from that. And it's a nice thought. Well, you know, people people have this uh, idea that of ownership. There is no ownership in the cosmos. We don't own anything. The cosmos owns us. We are born uh, basically uh, using molecules from the planet and the cosmos itself to live our lives. And when we die, we break down back into those basic elements and then they go into the food chains and uh, allow other things to live, you know? So nothing is ours. And like, let's say we all go extinct now and leave behind our cars and mansions and stuff like that. Mosses and lichens will just take over all of that. <laughs> the nature, nature does not, nature does not care about our luxuries. I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd like a world where I mean, this is naive, possibly sounding, but I'd like a world which that was more like that, where we would be going to these places just for the fact that they were trying to find out, as opposed to the fact that you know the only reason why people put money into these things is because of, like you said, what they can exploit and get out of it. It's not for the, you know, just the exploring for the sake of. Yeah. finding out yeah uh, exploring for for the sake of exploration yeah which i think is a better thing i mean we we could go into the philosophies but we don't have time <laughs> we don't we don't hello everybody this is ryan this is avery and we are from the frame by frame king crimson podcast and you are listening to pods like us so, believe it or not, Darwin, we have got all the way through all of the main things without it being like a question and answer. Yeah, that's that's basically how I function. Which, I, I like that way of doing things. Yep, yep. <laughs> I don't know if we skipped anything. Um, yeah, I talked about editing, I talked about inspirations, my collaborators... Like, even when I did have collaborators for my episodes of Darwin's Deviations, I didn't have guests, per se. I had a few friends, uh, podcasting friends, and I basically wrote scripts where they are over-exaggerated versions of themselves. They were portraying characters. I'd send it to them. They'd do their lines, send it back to me. I'd mishmash everything and slice and dice, as I usually do. 
and create a cartoon. That's basically how cartoon production goes. You know, you have voice actors who who record their lines in totally different times and places, and then you just glue all that together. Yeah. So, you know, that's interesting. That so, d- did you get them to um, provide different versions of those lines? So, would you say to people, "Is this and"? Can you do it in different ways and then you pick the way that they, uh, the one that you want to use? So that only happened with Autopsy Podcast because the dude has his own style and, uh, you know, he has artistic in- integrity because he, he, we clash there, you know, we have different philosophies how to approach things. So I allowed him to make that whole segment of his himself. He wrote it, he acted it, he edited everything, and it is his segment. I even released it as a separate episode, uh, Photopsy, where he does the autopsy of a watermelon. (laughs) Yep. 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 A vampire watermelon. Yep. And it, it was great. I actually loved featuring his segment. Like the gist of my show is I am making it for myself. You, the listener, you're not the target demographic. I don't care. You can listen to it. You, you don't have to listen to it. I made it for myself. I enjoy what I put out there. And I wanted to put it out there to imprint my personality, you know, into the internet, just like how, these weird organisms from millions of years ago imprinted their bodies into stones so I can now make fun of them, you know? So I imprinted myself out there so people can make fun of me, though I made fun of myself more. Um, And I really enjoyed having him doing that segment because he is imprinting his own personality into my show. I'm all about that, that, you know, imprinting of, of a person's essence into something, into a creation. Yep, like a cross-pollination. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a product. It's not meant to sell you something. It's meant to give you something. And if nothing, at least it gives you a headache. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it comes to editing. Yes. (laughs) So what would you say is, you know, what, what advice would you give to people then about actually making podcasts if they wanted to? Just do it. What are you waiting for? Like, you can listen to my show and I'm an asshole and I'm not <laughs> a very nice personality. Um, uh, I mean, most of that is acting, but like, you can hear me now. I'm obnoxious. I'm loud. I'm wacky and weird and awkward and i don't care about it so just do something make an episode listen to it see if you like it if you don't like it make another one make something that you want to hear and not just worry about uh what others will say about your own show yep because there's more people out there that are as weird as you are yep and i met a lot of them because of my show so if nothing, if your show totally sucks ass, at least you will draw in people who will become your longtime friends. Absolutely. And that's because, an important and brilliant yeah, thing. Because you were able to sh- genuinely, authentically share your own personality with them. And I think a lot of people appreciate that. A lot of people appreciate listening to something where every second they can hear the authenticity of the creator 
instead of something that is meant to be a product and sell you something or that you just listen to while, while at work and not think about it anymore. So what are the podcasts do you listen to Darwin? Do you listen to a lot of them? I listen to a lot of them. And now if I'd like mention, I have a lot of podcasting friends, so I, I'm worried some of them may be like offended if I forget to mention them. So let's just say, um, an inspiration for what I do now with Tracing Owls, and this is not a friend of mine. They don't even know I'm mentioning them. It is a podcast called Monster Talk. Uh, it is yep. a podcast of Skeptic Magazine. And, you know, I really appreciate that because these people love monsters. These people love mythology, but they don't believe in any of that. They cover the science aspect of it. Um, and I appreciate just how passionate they are about these things that they know are not real and they try to disprove but still talk about it it's a very great show if you're into monsters if you're into cryptids and and the paranormal from a skeptical skeptical perspective of course hey this is jack from bad counsel you want some good counsel keep listening to my man marv pods like us I'm writing that down for me to check out. So it's called yeah. Monster Talk. Monster Talk, yeah. Every episode, they have real academics. Like, uh, tulpas are a main topic in both of my uh, shows. I don't know if we have time now, but tulpas are thought forms. Like, essentially, you can focus your mind on something so much that you can manifest it into, into existence. So, like, if a lot of people believe in something, you can actually make that being a part of reality just by sheer will. Um, and they covered talpas and brought in uh, these uh, religious scholars who study Tibetan folklore and religion. And they essentially say, like, everything we think about thought forms and talpas in the West is totally different than what Tibetans believe because it's a more spiritual thing as that. And as you said previously in this episode, it is a more uh, good, uh, goodwill thing. It is a manifestation that is brought to this planet to uh, share wisdom and knowledge. You know, it's not a monster as we'd perceive it. <laughs> so yeah, that was a very good episode for me. <laughs> You, you know, we were, we were we were about to finish them, but I've 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 suddenly thought that in in a way, you know, you've something that you just said makes me think of like a self self a self fulfilling prophecy in a yes. sense, a bit like you know, if you go to see a fortune teller uh, and they say something to you, if you believe that, well, if you believe that, then there's very there's a very big chance that that actually might actually come to pass because essentially without even meaning to you might yourself force that into happening and it's a bit like you know somebody's told by a by a fortune teller oh you, you're going to end up divorcing the man that you're with and you'll meet somebody who's got blue eyes and then that will happen because you'll believe that and you'll look for somebody, anybody with blue eyes, and you'll be trying to form a relationship with them. So it's like that. It's like you're making that happen, even though it might not actually be true, yes. essentially. You you entangle yourself in this web, and you adjust 
your life to go down this path where that prophecy will be fulfilled. And I actually experienced that with my Darwin's Deviations episode. I put out that last episode, which is very personal, very sad. Essentially, the gist of it is that I started to notice a lot of these synchronicities and patterns within my show, which led to my grandfather actually dying in my private life. And it was, I felt like I, I prophesized it happening, you know, and I had these prophetic dreams of it happening. So that spooked me very much. It's not the only reason I stopped the show, but like, mm, this is getting too close to home and this is becoming spooky. And in a way, my podcast became an entity for itself. I mean, like I've said, like I've said recently to you. I mean, I, I intend on listening to the whole of Darwin's Deviations again at some point because it's 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 a nice little uh, piece as a whole to go into to, to yes. go from start to finish. And you know, you know, I I, I can see it's it's almost like what do they call it? They call it like a re- repeatability where you can keep going back to it like a good series. Mm-hmm. Like, like the X-Files. <laughs> I mean, yes. the, the X-Files, they're no longer making it. You can go and watch it whenever you want. Why do we need to make podcasts which will just go on and on indefinitely and then people will forget it once you don't have any more episodes out? Um, just create something and put it in a time bubble, a time capsule, and have it out there. And people who are interested in it can have it available and go intentionally listen to it, not because it came up on their feed or something, you know. It is just something that needed to happen. It is an event in my life, and I don't want to add anything to it uh, to muddy it up because it is it is an imprint of a period in my life. And I still listen to it, and I still use it for self-evaluation. So... Listener, if you want to start a podcast, if you don't know what to do, if you're thinking of how to draw in the audience, make something for yourself because down the line in about five years, let's say, you can go back, listen to that and think, wow, this was me five years ago. And you can use it as a tool for self-analysis and therapy. Wow. That's, I've, I've not thought about that until now. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. You're right, though it does. It does. It's it's almost like a, an audio photograph. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, where can people find you and get hold of you, then, Darwin? So you can find my podcasts, Darwin's Deviations, and Tracing Owls wherever you listen to podcasts, like this app, uh, app you're using now to listen to this. You can find me on Instagram. Darwin's Deviations, one word, or Tracing Owls, one word. Uh, Tracing Owls is the podcast I am continuing on with because it's more open-ended and I have more discussions and whatnot. Um, I don't use any other any other social media, just uh, Instagram. That's great. Anyway, thank you for speaking with me today, Darwin. No problem. It was great. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was weird, but also really fun yeah yeah that that's the uh, non-linear approach to discussing that that's yep. essentially how how i work i can't do it any other way <laughs>
and it's it's a great way. I, I, I thought it, it, like 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 you said, it's 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 natural for people to speak that way as opposed to the question and answer formal, you know that that you find all over the place. It's it's more it's like people in in a normal conversation. Yeah, like if you, if you did that format now with me, I I would need to do something to just bring chaos and anarchy to your show. I just can't abide by that rigid set of rules. Um, question and answer, question and answer. Let's just have a discussion. Uh, people are tuning in. They're having fun if they are. If they aren't, we don't care. We're having fun. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, since I've mentioned who you were during the episode, I don't think I'll even do a formal introduction. Ah, man. I mean, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Who cares, dude? Yeah, it we gives had something fun. different. We, we had fun, and this is an imprint of of us having fun in this uh, moment in time and space. Yes, and I've been looking forward to chatting with you for well over over a year since yep. since yep. we started chatting. Really, <laughs> yes. Anyway, you can find Pods Like Us on any um, streaming platform, and we are actually on Instagram, Twitter, and on TikTok, where I'm putting up um, little video clips on TikTok of shows that I listen to, such as the other day I put some um, uh, Tracing Owls up on TikTok to get you some some promotion. Oh, thank you, dude. It's okay. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening. hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. So, oh, I forgot where I was going to go there. I was going to pick up on something there. Oh, a lot of editing will be needed. <laughs> Sorry. So, does this record like one hour only? Do you need to like start a new recording with me if we go past the hour mark? No, I'm sure. I'm sure it will let me go past the hour. I, I, I think I've gone past the hour before now. Okay. But I think, which is really good for for a free service. Yeah, I th- I think though it does an hour, but we'll see. If it cuts us out, you you insert some little plug or something, <laughs> what yes. you usually do. I do. Shall I? Uh, so I stop now, and then it uploads to me, doesn't it? Okay. <laughs>